it was the moment where everything could have been normal. It wasn't the moment of the fall. Mm-hmm. It wasn't all the shitty times afterwards. It was that moment where I'd been out with the lads mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, my life can return to normal. And in that moment, right, following that was realizing I don't want my normal. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, there's what I talk about in my work. I've written extensively about it is there is a pivotal moment falling off a mountain mm-hmm. and there is a choice moment. Mm-hmm. Pivotal moments where is where everybody says I'm going to change, and as we talked about in our previous conversation, a pivotal moment is a diagnosis, it's a heart attack, it, it's a bankruptcy, it's a divorce, it's all these monumental events. Mm-hmm. It's the loss of a loved one, where we say I'm going to change, and I've stood by the bed of a client who said who's had a massive heart attack, a triple bypass, and said. I've been doing it wrong. You're absolutely right. I've got to focus on this. I've missed my kids. I've missed my wife. I've missed so much. Mm-hmm. And then I've seen them three months later and they're doing the 60 hours a week again. Yeah. And, and their answer is, look, Dove, that's just who I am. Yeah. No, it's yeah. not. Yeah. So for me, those pivotal moments are not the change. It's mm-hmm. the choice point. And so what I'm really asking you guys about is I want to hear about that. Was, was there a moment where you whether you went into negotiation with yourself and felt, you know, I can go back to this. I mean, obviously Jeff did that several times yeah. before the final one, but yeah. was there a moment even for you, Rhiannon, where it was like, yeah, you know what? I could suck it up. It's going to be okay. I can go pursue more of the, the goodies. Yeah. I considered it. I considered it um, because it's easier. Um, and yeah. especially for me, you know, my, the changes that I knew I needed to make, like it was very clear to me what I needed to do in that moment. You know, I knew I needed to get sober. Like there was just, it was very clear. Like we all know the things that we're doing. If you really think about it, you can, you know, it, the evidence is there, but it required a whole lot. It would require me to literally completely change every single aspect of what I was doing and who I and was. that's why people don't right because yeah, the friends the, I you, had you can't burn down a part of your life no it had to you be burn down thing. everything yeah but um you know I and this is also part of my nature I am someone who who kind of goes all head first in and I've always been that way and I decided that I was going to do it and I had never experienced um hearing that voice that was not my own that came through my body. Like I just really had never experienced that. And so when I made that choice and I started to put the the pieces in place, I started to receive what I believe was just, you know, messages. Like I was receiving messages that I had never received before that were coming. And I, my curiosity was driving me to continue. What is this? What is this? And as I kept going, I got, you know, led back to, to Jeff. And now if you look at our lives, we were kind of going through this very different, but similar breakdown at the same time. And when we came back together, um, in that experience, which is going to sound really whacked out, um, but it's a wacky show, right? Dev? It Um, is weird, wacky and wonderful. We were having a, an exchange. We were having a coffee. We hadn't seen each other in a really long time. And I was sharing with him what had happened to me in the Arctic and how I had changed my life. And in that moment, 
um, we both had a kundalini energy run right up our spines and we had both a eight day long kundalini awakening jointly over literally a coffee um, and it was the most, you know, transformative, scary. I, I can't, there's so, such a huge range of things that happened. All my kind of abilities and faculties came online. I had full recognition of him um, from, from many other times that we've come together to do many things similar in nature, I believe. And, um, and he had it too. And the only way that I didn't, you know, I, I would have normally thought I'm absolutely losing my mind and I need to go see a doctor immediately. Um, if it wasn't <laughs> that he was having the exact um, thing happen to him, I would have said, this is the most insane, outrageous thing that I've ever, you know, heard in my life. Um, but it was the fact that it was happening at the same time. So we had our first round of this energy that lasted for about eight days. And that was in um, October of 2017. And then of course I ran away from him and decided like, no, I can't get involved with any of this. And uh, then we had our second round of that energy hit in the December of that year. And then that was it. It was um, a lifelong commitment to figure out, okay, what the heck are we supposed to be doing together and what is going on? you know, and that's the truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Fantastic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you were already involved in the uh, Economic Club of Canada. Yes. Uh, you had gone in, started working there. You ended up buying it. But, uh, and, and you, are you involved? You're involved with it too now, Jeff, right? The economic, no, that's, that's Rhiannon's business. Okay. But it, you have, you have, uh, you have transformed what it was into uh, or what it was about Definitely. to what it, to what it's about now. Yeah. Uh, and when we, you know, we talk about that a lot more on the leadership and loyalty show, but for now, um, this is post leadership and loyalty show sort of explain to people that transformation of, of what it was about versus what it is about. Yeah. The economic club, when I came to be a part of it, was about um, Bay Street uh, coming together to talk about important issues, monetary policy, public policy issues. It was a very um, uh, homogeneous group of people that were coming together. Um, it was everyone looked the same, everyone thought the same, and it was really what it was. Um, when I came in and I eventually took over, which is a story in and of itself, um, it made no sense for me to be the one that was running that. I wasn't part of that group. Um, and so instead of, first I tried to pretend I was for a while, and that was, you know, an interesting thing. And I have a lot of weird pictures of me dressed up like 10 years older than I actually am and wearing fake spectacles. Um, but once I came to the realization that I am who I am, um, I decided that I needed to kind of change the nature of the way that we did things at the economic club. And so what that meant to me was broadening the scope of conversation. You know, economics is not just monetary policy. Economics is truth and reconciliation and equality and um, consciousness and a lot of different things that impact our system. Um, it, the nature of the conversations had to change. So I had to invite more people under the umbrella, had to invite more people at the table, started the junior economic club, started working with young people across the country and wanting to seriously invite them into a conversation where they didn't have to be. It's one thing to talk about business and economics in a classroom 
and, you know, have someone who a lot of the times hasn't been in industry for a long time talking about all of these ideas. Um, it's another thing to actually insert yourself into a community and get to ask those conversations. Like mm -hmm. get to have kids be able to sit down with CEOs and say like, what's the truth of it all? Like not everyone's not evil. Like, come on, like let's get together and let's actually start to understand one another. So it was a series of just making those changes. I think the height of it for me, there was a lot of moments, but Michelle Obama spoke with the economic club in 2017. It was her first speech on Canadian soil um, since leaving office. And we had a stadium full, but what we did is we invited half the capacity of the stadium. We reserved it, meaning that even every corporate table tables of 10 only could fill five guests and five were filled by us and they were young people and they were not, you know, sons and daughters of Bay Streeters. They were kids from all across this nation. They were kids that would never, ever find themselves in that space and room. And Michelle Obama led this conversation and it just ignited something in me. I thought, what the heck is going on? Like how this, anything is possible here, you know? Um, anything is possible and we can change the way that things are done. And I truly believe that. And so the economic club is, yeah, it's different. It's run by, it's run by a girl. It's got a lot of people involved that wouldn't otherwise be, you know, traditionally seen as being involved. And mm -hmm. it's, um, it's really interesting. And it's now become a launching pad for what is, you know, this new organization in a lot of ways, because both of us are bringing our separate lines of expertise into make something new. And it's, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's, it's fabulous. And, and so this, the thing that it's evolving into, which is, uh, you know, global institute is, I guess, is where you're going. Tell us a little bit about about uh, where that is, where that's evolving into. Yeah, you want to speak to that? Yeah. So what we're doing with the organization now is we're launching it through uh, this Mindful Money series that we're doing uh, through Rhiannon's Junior Economic Club of Canada, where we've created uh, all the content uh to help kids university students high school students to understand not only you know financial literacy but mindfulness sustainability and being conscious consumers of you know what uh they can do to you know vote with their dollars so to speak as what Rhiannon was mentioning earlier and then we're partnering with uh, the Economic Club of Canada doing large scale events and having important conversations around, you know, ideas to change the world, uh, conversations around the future of work. And um, with that as a platform, we're also, uh, we wrote this book together to help launch uh, the organization and have it more as a, uh, a foundation of our, uh, our philosophy, the research that we're doing and trying to you know elevate uh from that position yeah it's it's i love what you're doing um you know i i, I think you know I, I wrote this book a long time ago mm -hmm. right called don't read this unless you want more money and on the back page it it says uh uh what you have heard up until this point about wealth has likely been taught to you by somebody who did not or likely never had it Mm. Right. And, and I think that so often we look at money through lenses that are not our own. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I love that you're elevating that conversation mm-hmm. to say, well, what is money beyond the level of what you understand it? Whether you were born into wealth mm-hmm. or whether you were born into poverty, it's still a set of lenses. And what if it's something else altogether? And I love that you're t- allowing people, showing people how to allow themselves to tap into it as a, as a place for the expression of consciousness, which I, I think is wonderful. Yeah. I, I wanna, sorry, go ahead, Rianne. I was just going to say one of the things, you know, just to kind of give people a sense of what we're talking about here, one of the things that we're going to be teaching the young people is this idea of what is your, you know, conscious belief around money and wealth and what is your subconscious belief around Absolutely. money and wealth and how do we align those two things? And for me as a business leader, when I became financially successful through my career, um, I had made it, so to speak, or so I mm-hmm. thought, but I mm-hmm. was having, I was displaying actually really um, horrible behaviors with my money. So every single time that I was making a large sum of money, I was somehow getting rid of it. I was either giving it away. I was spending it frivolously. I was just making these really interesting decisions and I kept getting back to the same place. And when I actually went deeper down and kind of realized I had all of these subconscious messages growing up because I grew up the way I did, that rich people were greedy or that wealth was bad or, and I was holding all of these things. So I could not reconcile now being somebody who had wealth in my life and reconcile what that meant. I didn't know how to be a good person with money. Um, And I didn't even realize how deep down that nugget was rooted. And so, you know, uncovering that ended up being able to help me start to heal my relationship with money, which heals your relationship with being able to be financially well and empowered. And this is the kind of stuff we're talking about. It's, it's simple, but it's, you know, we haven't had enough spaces and places to talk like this. Yeah, I agree. Uh, um, one of the things I would like to say for anybody listening who's even pondering what we're saying is that it, it's important to understand that uh, massive financial wealth will not make you happy or solve all your problems. But here's the cha- here's the here's the rub of that. Neither will be neither will struggling in poverty. 100%. Right. So, it, it, you know, so the answer, therefore, is it's not the money. Yeah. It's it's how you use and how you look at and what you do with that yeah. uh, money or lack thereof. And um, but the question I want to ask you both, that's kind of a part of the theme of this show that I like to ask is um, it, it seems like uh, you were running your life in a certain way both of you. And then there was a shift and that's fine. Um, But what I want to know is when you were a kid, both of you, when you were a kid, did you ever feel like a bit of an alien? Like I am not supposed to be in this family. (laughs) Every day. (laughs) Like, I mean, I think we still are. (laughs) Every for me, absolutely. I always did. I just felt different always. Every space that I was in, I just felt like, is everyone seeing this or what's going on? It was just always a sense that um, I was on the outside of something in some way. Um, and I know that you yeah. had that experience as well. Yeah, exact same thing. It was just 
you know, how I grew up was, uh, you know, my, my mother stayed at home. I had an older sister and uh, I just had a lot of time to explore. And, you know, now with helicopter parenting and children having a, a lack of independence, I had a lot of independence as a child and I would just be off on my own, you know, making up my own, uh, using my imagination, my own fun. And I found that I was just always in many ways different than uh, the other kids at school. And I always, yeah, found myself thinking differently. You know, it's fascinating that everybody we've interviewed for this show um, who does have a different perspective on life has always had a different perspective on life. They didn't maybe manifest it. They didn't maybe express it. They didn't maybe turn it into a business, a career, or a focus of their lives. But they grew up feeling like a weirdo. Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, uh, I've said to several, and I guess one of my one of my all time favorite uh, songs is "Creep." Um, but I don't sing "Creep." Mm -hmm. I sing "Freak." Mm -hmm. I'm a freak. I'm a widow. I love the song because what the hell am I doing here? Yeah. And, and that song for me has been sort of deeply embedded in me. And, and I remember singing it and like, I've not got the best voice in the world, but I just can't help but sing it because it's like, that is looking around in my family, eldest kid of a bunch of kids in this poverty and going, oh, how come I can see this and nobody else can? Mm -hmm. That was what drove me into psychology. That's mm -hmm. what uh, drew, drove me into metaphysical study and religious philosophy. It's what drove me into quantum physics. It was always like, no, no, this isn't it. There's something underneath that. And everybody I've met who's been on this show who are from a vast range of, of backgrounds that most people would find unbelievable whether they're academics or whether they're i mean one of the gentlemen i interviewed um has written a book about the connection between science uh and uh, evolution and religious philosophy and being a christian right mm -hmm. and so and and this seemingly diametrically opposed world and talking about you know and he is actually he was the highest paid uh, uh, internet marketing consultant in the world, that's verifiable. Wow. Right? So, you know, totally different world, yeah. but always had that feeling while growing up in this evangelical family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not that he was anti-Jesus or religion, but just like he felt like a freak and a weirdo because there was something else. Yeah. And I think that that is so, like one of my, um, outcomes of this show is to, to have somebody listening going, maybe I'm not on my own. Yeah. Maybe there's a whole slew of freaks out there <laughs> that I'm, I'm a member of the freak tribe and, and you know, I'm, I'm proudly flying my freak flag. Definitely. I think that's a beautiful intention because I know that, you know, as I study and learn and expand myself and meet more people, 
I've found so much comfort in that idea that there's other weirdos out there or that other people have felt those same feelings. And right now, I think I find myself going back in history and looking at who some of those weirdos were. I mean, John Lennon right now has been a huge influence to us. Um, Mm -hmm. And we continue to look at, you know, ideas that he put out into the world or, you know, Andy Warhol or, you know, Rosa Parks. There's just so many incredible moments in history of people. And they were always the outside thinker. Like they were always someone who was speaking against the grain of what was normal at the time. And there's so much expansiveness in understanding that, you know, what the way that we go is not always believed by the many and that's okay and yeah that's okay if you uh is is there is there a song that you guys associate to you know i just gave you freak weirdo uh which is creep uh is there a song for you that's a beautiful song um for i'm named after a song as you know which is by fleetwood mac and actually that song was written by Stevie Nicks about, uh, it's a folklore tale about a goddess and it's really about the other realms and the other worlds and magic and and what is mortal and, and the between stages. And it is a theme for my life to think of that song in those different places and to you know operate in between spaces of what we can see and what we can't, I think for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Imagine's a pretty big one for us. Imagine as well, for sure. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, music is a huge part, I think, of, you know, it's always been a huge part of my life and my creative outlet writing. And I think, you know, for Jeff too. And I, I really, truly believe that that's one of the reasons why we're so sick as a society right now is because we don't have this space to be creative anymore. And it's a big part of, you know, a conscious capitalism is a space where like the convergence of art and business can meet together in the middle as well. So there's all of these, you know, ideas that need to kind of come and clump together that have seemingly been separate Um, absolutely yeah yeah did um i I like to ask this question uh, and of course it's it's part of the uh leadership and loyalty show but in a parallel universe what do you do Mm. uh i don't know (laughs) i know that i'm a rock star (laughs) rock star (laughs) Definitely. I, I just want to know, are you covering the song Rhiannon? I will, and I'll no, sing it for you right universe, now. No, in that parallel universe, you wrote it. Yeah, in the parallel universe, I am Stevie Nicks. Oh, you are Stevie Nicks. Okay, see, that, now we got that cleared up. Uh, yeah. yeah. Listen, guys, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate uh, you guys spending the time with us. Um, uh, now on two shows on, on this Curiosity Bites and of course on Leadership and Loyalty and if you're tuning into this show and you didn't catch the, uh, the Leadership and Loyalty show where we talk more about the leadership side of this the, the business and economic side of this um, I wanted you to really understand who these folks are and the impact that they're having I appreciate you both being on the show and I want you to I want you to, to, to leave us with something that we all need to get a little more curious about. What would that be from each of you? Get curious. It doesn't have to be related to what you're doing, but just what do you think we 
be curious about yourself yourself and explore who you are yeah i couldn't agree more it's there's mm-hmm. so much to learn right inside here mm-hmm. yeah, it all starts there I do too. Please um, tell our viewers and our listeners where they can find out more about you, about your institutes, about uh, the movement that you're creating, about your, your fabulous book. Tell them the name of your book, all those things. Yeah, absolutely. So our book is uh, Capitalist Buddha, Waking Up to Conscious Economics. Um, you'll be able to uh, find that soon, and we'll link that on our website, um, consciouseconomics.ca. You can also look at the economicclub.ca, and of course, find us on social media at Rhiannon Roseland, at Dr. Jeff Overall. Um, and um, yeah, check us out. Come out to some events that we're doing. Um, we do lots of them and they're, you know, constantly updated on our websites. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to say before we go? Uh, I think with what you were saying before about, you know, people being weird and, and um, you know, talking to those people that maybe have that awareness of there are other people out there that are like me. And I think it's just important for all of us to know is that we're never alone. There's always somebody around uh, that we can, you know, connect with if we just, you know, open our eyes to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you both for your time. I sincerely appreciate it. It was an honor and a pleasure. And um, I will speak to you both very soon. Uh, again, I appreciate you taking the time out. I appreciate all that you've shared. And I wish you both a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you so much. Me too.